Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal welcoming you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. We're going to go around the conference today. We've got Ole Miss beat writer Michael Katz and MSU beat writer Stefan Kreischnick with us. Guys, how are you doing this morning? Good. How are you guys? I, I don't know. That's, well, that's like, that sounds like a very early in the morning response, there, man. Uh, Steph, what you got? You gonna can you bring the energy uh, this morning? I don't know if I could bring the energy, but I can say that I'm doing well as well. So that's that's a good start. That's a good start, man. That that beats the alternative. Hey, glad you guys are with us. Uh, we're going to do this on Wednesdays, kind of bring everybody together and look at the conference, not just uh, not just our teams. Although we'll get to Mississippi State uh, and Ole Miss uh, in the program. As well, guys, uh, I think uh, what stood out to me most of all last week was Texas and Arkansas, like everybody else. You know, I mean, I was like a week late on that anti-Texas pick, man. I, you know, I went deep on opening week with that uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns going to get it together and and shock the world there in Austin. And they, they missed it by, by about three touchdowns. Uh, and I thought, OK, OK, so maybe a. Maybe Texas is back, and, and I think we don't really know now. Now, now we, we're just also very confusing. Is Texas back or is, is Texas not back or is Arkansas back, man? Uh, what, what does the rest of the SEC uh, make of this? Uh, Mike, we'll start us out, man. What do you think? So as, as I learned 15 years ago with Vince Young, there's never a bad time to pick against Texas. Um, so this, this, this always feels a little bit good for me. But, uh, you know, Texas, I, I, I didn't – I was honestly surprised with how much they won by in week one. I, I thought Louisiana was going to give them a little bit more of uh, a challenge. And so I thought the Arkansas game would at least be close. I, I did not see a blowout coming. Texas has already made a quarterback change apparently. I mean, there it's, it's already – it's already all hands on deck. I feel like at least once a year we have the uh, is Texas back uh, conversation. Um, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they are not. Uh, I, I don't see things getting a whole lot better for them from here. I think they'll probably be a bowl team, but I think that's kind of where they peak. Um, and Arkansas, I, you know, last year, I know, you know, the record wasn't great, but they lost a lot of really close games. Um, this they're gritty and I think they've really kind of picked up their their you know the uh the philosophy of Sam Pittman they're they're gonna grind you down and they just play with a lot of energy and I think they're gonna be a tough out for pretty much anybody well, maybe they, not Alabama but they uh, do they do play hard for Sam Pittman now they showed that last year and and again you know, they'll be in Oxford in a couple of weeks. I, I thought that game last year was uh, one that Ole Miss wins if they have only four turnovers instead of seven. Uh, they win if they score from inside to five two different times. Uh, couldn't pull that off either. Last year in Fayetteville was more about uh, Ole Miss's inability to get out of its own way. But Arkansas showed many times over that they play hard for Sam Pittman. I, look, and you talk about a quarterback change – I. I don't know. Is is that uh, uh, a thing going forward? They're going to change starters. I saw Arkansas got all over Hudson Card, and and uh, I thought Hudson Card was like uh, 
the chief of staff for George W. Bush, and I had to go back and look at that. But that was that was Andrew Card. Okay, so not the same card. Okay, but uh, so they're already you say making a change there. Uh, Steph, uh, what, what stood out to you in that game? Yeah, I think what, what stands out just with Texas in general is, um, you know, when, when you reflect on the past few years, and it felt like the 15 years that they had Sam Ellinger at, at quarterback, um, they were actually, I mean, they were actually good. But I think Texas fans just kind of have the standard of being back means you have to be a national champion. And I think you have to kind of realistically look at what Ohio State and Clemson and, and, um, and Alabama have done the past few years and realize that, all right, there's very few teams that have lived up to that standard. Um, but Texas has been a pretty good team. And I think kind of like what Michael was saying, um, you know, I don't think it's a lost season because they lost to Arkansas. I mean, losing on the road to an SEC opponent is not a, necessarily a bad thing. You can be a pretty good bowl team um, and still have a successful season and not have to fire your coach right away. So I think if Texas fans could just maybe have some more realistic standards, then um, I think that they, they can, you know, be a quote-unquote good team and, and not have everyone freaking out. Um, that, that's kind of what I, I, my takeaway from that game is, is less about Texas, though. It's more about Arkansas, which um, I'm pretty sure most everyone had Arkansas towards the bottom, along with Mississippi State and the in the SEC West. Um, and I think they kind of showed that, hey, maybe they're um, a pretty decent team. Obviously, that game is very amped up, and I think we saw, you know, the signs throughout um, their campus, you know, just – you know, what that game with Texas meant to them and how badly they wanted to be Texas. Um, but moving forward, I mean, I feel like most SEC games like that are going to be for them where they're going to be pretty amped up. So if they, if they bring the, the energy that they brought for the Texas game with, you know, a game when like Mississippi State comes to town or something like that, um, they, they can be a pretty decent team. Um, I think we see a lot of times teams get pretty hot at the start. And you, you kind of fizzle down and see that maybe they're not as consistent as, as the one game they were amped up for. But um but I, I think that game said a lot about Arkansas and, and what they're building there. That Texas take, man, is spoken like a true Indiana fan. Embra- embrace the seven-win season. Em- embrace the, the eight. Nine wins. Nine wins. Indiana. Indiana. If Indiana had nine wins, I think they would put up a banner. And if Texas had nine wins, I think they would fire their coach. So I think uh, I think it's time to, to fizzle down your standards a little bit. And, and it's a lot more fun when you can be a bit team like Indiana is. It's a lot more fun than beating Texas. Well, I'll tell you, now there – there were many fans, uh, both in uh, Starkville and Oxford, who for years would have said that uh, the coach who could come in and, and win uh, seven or eight games consistently and throw in the occasional 10-win uh, season could stay a, a long time. And I don't know, I, I think uh, expectations are changing everywhere, man. You get a taste of success, you get uh, get more of that SEC money, and, and things change. Michael, uh, what else about the conference, man, uh, last week stood out to you? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what Texas A&M is. Uh, they are a – I know they're talented, and I know that they lost a lot of pieces from last year. But, you know, listen, I'm a Pac-12 guy. Colorado's not exactly a powerhouse. Uh, I, I think they're fine. But to score 10 points on them, I know their quarterback got hurt and all that stuff. But uh, winning a 10-7 game against Colorado for a team that, you know, was expected to be uh, – I think everybody's expecting them to be a, a contender of, of some sort. Uh, you know, I, I they weren't super impressive week one either. I, I think they're it's it, they're hard to figure out. And I think one of these, you know, sooner rather than later, we're, we're going to find out who they are uh, because 
they get knocked around a little bit. I think that's where this is going. I, I just, I don't know. I, I know last year was a really special year for them and they had a lot of things go right for them, but uh, I was not expecting them to look this um, kind of mediocre uh, early in the season. I, I think when you're playing a team like Colorado and again, no disrespect to Colorado, they are much improved from where they were a couple years ago. Uh, but you have to beat them by more than three points, and it's got to be a, not a last-second win. I, I think they're they've been an interesting kind of case study on on how things can change very very quickly. Maybe uh, maybe it's just the altitude. You know, everybody talks about the thin air in Boulder. Was it you think the thin air got the Aggies? You know, they they're they're from South Texas. A lot of humidity down there. Thin air might have gotten them. As, as, as someone who lived at 72, uh, 7,200 feet of, of altitude, I can say that it is tough, but I am also not a Division One athlete, so uh, I figure they can probably figure out faster than I could have. Well, I'll tell you what, one more thing on that Arkansas-Texas game, 336 rushing yards for Arkansas. I thought Houston Nutt was called in the plays again, man. That was uh, – that was – that just says uh, physical smash uh, – you know, and I think uh, Steph's right. It's going to be uh, uh, an interesting team to watch and see if they really can can maintain that uh, that consistency. Uh, LSU, uh, you know, thirty four to seven, whatever it was against McNeese, they did not uh, play well for stretches of that game. Uh, finished with only one hundred and twenty five rushing yards against an FCS opponent. Uh, I know that uh, just looking at some in-game coverage, some commentary through the game, people were uh, expecting more, expecting more uh, dominance from LSU on the offensive line, expecting to be able to pick up a fourth and one on a quarterback sneak, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, I think a lot of question marks for this team. And and I go back to preseason again. Uh, I, I put uh, Ole Miss just ahead of LSU. I, I know there's talent there. I know they've recruited well and, and all those things. And, People expect LSU to be good, but it was just like an afterthought for so many people, I thought, in their preseason rankings that LSU was ahead of Ole Miss. And I look and I thought, okay, both defenses last year were terrible. Okay, they think they're going to be better, uh, but but they got a lot of the same people back, and Ole Miss is bringing back its quarterback, and he was, like, really good. So, anyway, interesting start, uh, you know, for LSU. We'll see uh, – what uh, you know? What becomes uh, of the Tigers? How they evolve? Uh, they've got to get some things corrected. Anything? Uh, anything else noteworthy from uh, the first week for uh, either of you guys? I think uh, speaking on LSU, I think we've had uh, two straight weeks in the SEC where shirts have been the talk. I think the first was the Sissy Blue shirt, then Arkansas tweeting the shirt of the the horns down and the. Welcome to the SEC or, or whatever that was. So that's two straight weeks where shirts are dominating the talk. But um, on, on, in terms of football, Kentucky had a pretty good win over Missouri. Um, they're kind of a team that I think maybe it flies under the radar a little bit, look, looking pretty good through two weeks. Um, and, and I think I've seen on Twitter a lot of Auburn fans are um, amping up their team and not really looking at how terrible those two opponents were. So I think Auburn fans might need to not get a little too ahead of themselves right now. Yeah, I think uh, Kentucky does fly under the radar, and I think they're one of the better coached teams in the league with Mark Stoops there, and, and just a lot of a lot of consistency in that program that doesn't have a a ton of of tradition. Uh, so yeah, they they've played well, and at the expense of my alma mater there in week one. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what uh, those guys get done against Coach Prime. Uh, Coach Prime going to Monroe this week. 
Um, let's go ahead and transition into that Penn State and Auburn game, and, and we'll go over the rest of the games in the conference here in a little bit. Uh, you hit it there, Steph. Uh, what to make of these two Auburn wins, man? I mean, they dominated teams that they should dominate. You, If, if you're going to be an upper-level division team uh, in the SEC, you should dominate a SWAC opponent. You just should. I mean, Alabama A&M will be good in their league. But going back to opening week for Auburn, yes, a big win against Akron, which is like 1-17 in 17, uh, the last two seasons. Now, you know, the MAC uh, can play some good football and has produced some really good teams. Akron hasn't been one of those. And, and so you look at uh, wins over Akron and, and Alabama A&M, and, you know, I, I just – I'm not all in with uh, with Auburn yet, but I'll tell you this, Michael, because I know you were around Brian Harson uh, at Boise State and uh, and T Dog. You're around Brian Harson and T Dog, man. I, I just uh, that that's a cool thing, and and I hated that they had to get a new T Dog, but you know they you, you move on. Um, 39 pass attempts in two games so far for Bo Nix. Is is that a Brian Harson offense? Uh, I think it's the most effective Bo Nix offense. Uh, I think we uh, – I feel like every year Auburn fans get super excited about Bo Nix, and I think uh, this is probably the best version of Bo Nix when he hasn't had to do too much uh, because, as we've seen, he can kind of try to put on the superhero cape and that doesn't always uh, go super well. Uh, but, you know, the Brian Harson teams, it's interesting um, – you know, Boise State, you know, went over that period when when they were really good under Chris Peterson and when Harson was the offensive coordinator, everybody kind of looked at the quarterbacks with, uh, you know, Kellen Moore and, and and those sorts of guys. And they, they did have some really nice, you know, they developed a lot of NFL caliber players uh, on those offenses, but uh, they ran the ball really, really well. Um uh, those years and, and they were really kind of run based offenses and that kind of, you know, when Harson took over in 2014, I believe it was, uh, they still wanted to run the ball. Uh, and so I'm actually a little bit surprised with, with the, the passing attempts by, by Bo Nix. I thought they might throw with him a, a little bit more, especially against teams that, you know, you're going to probably handily beat. But at the same time, I, I think this is a good recipe for them, um, and and especially going into uh, you know Penn State. I, I know that uh, you know Bo Nix has played a lot of really loud places, so he's not going to be phased by by that kind of thing. But you know Penn State's a, a pretty different beast, especially when it's a whiteout, and and you know I know they're really looking forward to this game, uh, and so you know I think maybe this recipe of of, uh, of maybe limiting you know, Bo Nix's hero ball might be what's best for them. If, if they, if they run the ball and, and kind of, you know, let Bo let the game come to him rather than have him try to kind of take it over. I think that's probably their best kind of strategy going into a, especially a big game like this. Steph, uh, this is getting back up into your country there in, in big 10. Uh, this is Penn state uh, and Auburn. How important is this game uh, for Penn state to win? Because it's an SEC team, does, does that factor in to uh, motivation uh, for these guys? I know they just want to win. I know they're they're a national profile and they, you know they're highly ranked right now. Uh, but is is there some SEC hate going on in this game? Yeah, definitely. I think we see it a lot during bowl season more than I think we see it in September. But there's always um, uh, 
you know, kind of this chip on the shoulder with the Big Ten. Anytime they're facing the SEC, they want to win that game just to kind of prove that they can um, compete with the SEC. I mean, whether it's the college, you know, football playoffs where you got Ohio State playing against a team like Bama or if it's, you know, a bowl game like last year, Indiana and Ole Miss, you know, those, those are type of games that Big Ten schools take pretty seriously just in terms of um, what it means on a national level. I think I think Penn State's pretty good. You know, I, I was I was initially and uh, in our in our Mississippi State Facebook group, I when we made our Week One predictions, um, I picked Wisconsin. And I kind of said I'm I'm kind of selling Sean Clifford. I'm not you know I'm over that whole thing, and and they need to kind of start fresh. Um, I'm actually you know after after watching them first couple of weeks, I'm pretty high on Penn State, and and watching Ohio State struggle, I, I think Penn State might be the best team. Um, besides Indiana and the Big Ten East, they're, they're pretty good. And I and I honestly think, I mean, when Ohio State lose the game, I mean, Penn State's in a spot now where you win out that includes a win against Penn State or a win against Ohio State. You're probably in the playoffs. So I think Penn State uh, right now in terms of the Big Ten is probably, aside from maybe Iowa on the other side, um, is probably looking as good as any team and, and has as good of a shot as any team to kind of compete for the playoffs. So I'm really interested um, to see where Penn State season go. I don't, I don't think this game with Auburn is going to be close. I think Penn State's going to handle Auburn pretty easily. And quite frankly, I'm sure Auburn fans will, will if they ever hear this take, will hold on to this take. But I don't think Auburn's going to win more than five games this year. I mean, look at that. There's, their SEC schedule is pretty dang tough. I mean, I mean, everyone's SEC schedule is tough. But I think with, with Bo Nix as your quarterback, your SEC schedule is a little bit tougher. Um, that's my thoughts on Harvard, but yeah, somebody will um, find that. State, yeah, yeah, Steph, that's gonna that's gonna come back uh, Mississippi State week for you. Somebody, somebody will find it. Um, interesting though, I thought <laughs> Penn State was really good defensively against Wisconsin, looking pretty average at quarterback. But uh, you know what? If you just don't turn it over and and you uh, manage the offense and play with that defense, uh, yeah, you can win a lot of games. Hey, let's uh, let's transition to uh, our teams a little bit, uh, uh, Michael. Uh, Tulane, you, you look at the final score and you think, man, these guys hung with Oklahoma, and they and they did. Uh, but you peel back the layers, and uh, I see a team that was good enough to take advantage of short fields when Oklahoma presented that opportunity, and they converted basically 50-yard touchdown drives three times. Uh, didn't really sustain long drives too many times in that game, I think once early and once late. Uh, but they put up 35 points. They had a chance to win uh, against Oklahoma. Uh, Sooners contributed with a couple of turnovers from Spencer Rattler, uh, the quarterback, and uh, and just the inability to convert a fourth down near midfield. Should uh, should Ole Miss fear the wave, man? The green wave is this uh, is this a trap game for the Rebels, who would very much like to be three and zero going to Alabama with going into two weeks to prepare for Alabama. I, I think normally this would be a quote-unquote trap game, but just kind of given everything that we've heard, I, I think almost realizes that this is a tough game. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be caught off guard by it, like you know they may other or like they may otherwise have been. I, I know that that Oklahoma game was interesting because they were playing, you know, they were playing catch up a lot and they made these late this late run and. You know, they were, what, a yard away from converting on that fourth down when the quarterback came up just short. Um, but, uh, you know, they they play hard. As Spencer Rattler said, you know, that was the most physical team he's ever played against. And, uh, you know, I know the Big 12 isn't known for its physicality, but, you know, Spencer Rattler's played some pretty good teams. And so 
Uh, I don't think that was just lip service. I think Tulane is is going to be tough. Uh, I think the last saw was like a two touchdown uh, spread for for Ole Miss. Uh, I thought that was a little bit big, um, but uh, I, I think that if Ole Miss does what it has been doing, which is you know limit damage on defense, you know they might give up some yards, um, but you know, keep teams out of the end zone, which they've done a pretty good job of through two weeks, uh, albeit against, you know, not the best competition in the world. Um, and, you know, let Matt Corral be Matt Corral, you know, uh, in that first game, he, he probably had a few throws that could have been, could have gone the wrong way. Uh, you didn't really see any of those against Austin P and again, that's Austin P. Um, but you know, he, he's, he's been playing pretty good ball. You know, they ran the ball really, really well last week too. Uh, I know uh, Lane Kiffin is not a pro football focus offensive line grade guy now, but uh, you know, they did run for almost 340 yards. Uh, you know, I, I think if they kind of stick to the recipe, they, they should be okay. But you know, if, if you give the ball up like Oklahoma did um, and they did it against a pretty good quarterback too, you know, Spencer Rattler and, and Matt Corral are, you know, kind of among the Heisman guys, uh, before the season started, if they can make Spencer Rattler pay, uh, I, I, you know, there's a chance they can do that against Matt Corral. And we've seen that they can take advantage of mistakes. And so I think if, if Ole Miss doesn't beat itself, they should win this fairly handily. Uh, but if they give Tulane chances, uh, Tulane is the kind of team that can take advantage. We've already seen that. Uh, Rebels beat themselves. Interesting point. You were writing a, uh... Uh, this morning uh, in the Daily Journal and at djournal.com about the Ole Miss's uh, desire to be better, to have fewer penalties. One of the most penalized teams in the nation right now, I think 26 penalties through uh, two games. Uh, how do they make that happen? Do you think they will make progress in that area this week? Yeah, you know, it was interesting looking up those stats because anytime you are in the same sentence with a, a UTEP team, because UTEP was the most penalized team in the country, it's generally not a good thing. Uh, that's that's not usually a good company to be in with UTEP. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's been it, the two different – the two games had their, their own different problems. In that first game, you know, the Louisville game was like the targeting game, right? It's when everybody was getting ejected for targeting, and that was, that was a wild game on a lot of fronts. But – you know, they also had two touchdowns wiped off the board, one for, uh, I believe, it was a holding, and then another was an illegal man downfield. Uh, you know, Nick Broker shoved a guy after a big gain in that game. Um, and so, you know, in that game, it was really kind of the, the dumb penalties, the holding, the personal fouls. In this last game, it was pass interferences, um, and it, there, I believe there were four of them, and, you know, we asked Tyler Knight about that, and he kind of gave a funny answer. He said, well, you know, we're always going to be kind of hand jostling with, with wide receivers. It's just, we're going to get called for it more than the receivers do, which he's not wrong. You know, nine times out of 10, like he said, the defensive back is going to get called for it. But uh, I think like he said, it, it's maybe being a little bit less handsy and just kind of being smart with your positioning and whatnot. I, I think, you know, past interferences happen. I get that. And I, I, I don't, I, you know, almost doesn't want penalties, but if they're the over aggressive kind, you know, I think they can live with that, but it's the false starts. It's the illegal man downfield. It's the holding that I don't think, uh, and the personal fouls that they can live with. If those happen, 
Um, I, you know, and I think those are the ones that they probably think are a lot easier to remedy because those are, that's just being smart. Um, and I think that's what they've really been working on. You know, defensive back tactics are defensive back tactics. Sometimes you get called for it. Sometimes you don't, obviously you can put yourself in a better position, but, um, I, I think they've just kind of been working on, on being smarter. And I think if they do that, you know, they can cut those penalties down because eventually they will be in a close game where the penalties do come back and bite them. You cannot have, you know, 12, 13, 14 penalties against Tulane. You certainly can't have it against Alabama and expect for it to be anywhere near a close game. So uh, I know they've, they've kind of taken it to heart over the last few days. Steph, no cowbells at Liberty Bowl Stadium this week. Man, Mississippi State's first road game. Uh, the Bulldogs, frankly, a surprising 2-0. I, I think uh, a lot of people would have expected 1-0, uh, except in the at the start of the fourth quarter, people might have adjusted that uh, expectation against Louisiana Tech, but they come back and win. Uh, then they have a, a great defensive performance uh, and win against North Carolina State. They're sitting here 2-0. Uh, going on the road for the first time. What do you make of the Bulldogs through two games? And uh, are they prepared to go on the road? Right. I think kind of, you know, the, the initial thoughts after the Louisiana Tech game were probably, you know, a little bit worried thoughts uh, in terms of what this season would develop into. And I think that NC State game kind of let us settle a little bit. I think we kind of saw, um, as I talked to you earlier this week, about we saw kind of what the floor is for Mississippi State, and we've kind of seen a glimpse of what the ceiling can be. And, and I think um, that's kind of what you're going to get from teams early on, especially teams, you know, that are coached by Mike Leach and are finally getting their full, first full offseason of, of learning that offense and learning Zach Barnett's defense. Um, there's a lot of moving parts for MSU going into the season. And I think what's most important is um, while they're learning – how to play together while they're learning how to play in the system that they're found a way to win games. And at the end of it, they're two and zero, and they're, they're four wins away from a bowl game, you know, and they're, they're in a pretty good spot in terms of that. So I think, um, you know, the, there's a lot that they need to clean up, but I think at this point of the year, if you're Mississippi state, you look at your record, you say, you know what, we, we do enough that we, that we have to do. I mean, there's so many teams that throughout the nation, you see teams get upset, um, you know, in week one or week two against these random non-conference opponents because um, they struggled, but they couldn't find a way to win. They couldn't they couldn't flip that switch. Well, MSU has found a way to flip that switch, and it might not be pretty, but you say you're 2-0, and, and then you move forward, and you now you go on and you face a Memphis team where um, it's a Memphis team that's not as good as it maybe has been in the past. They were projected, I think they were predicted to finish fifth in, in the conference this year, um, which is pretty below uh, their standard. Um, but at the same time, they're a team that's lost – that hasn't lost, I think it was since 2018, maybe 2019 at home. Um, so they're, they're a team that wins a, a ton at home. And, you know, if you can't bring your cowbells, I guess that's going to make a difference as well because uh, the Mississippi State fans won't be as loud as maybe you would. Uh, I mean, they'll be loud, but they won't be as loud, you know, with the help of the cowbells. Uh, so you see how much of a difference that makes. It, it's a good test. I think it, it's a good test for Mississippi State um, to finally have a road game against a, a pretty good opponent um, to kind of get a sense of um, – you know, Leach talked so much in that first game about them struggling with their mental toughness and quitting. Well, you're going on the road for the first time, and that's kind of another switch that you're going to have to flip. Um, and it's a pretty good road test to prepare you for when you play on the road in the SEC. So it's just one of those things where if you're if you're MSU with all the struggles that you have right now, um, you, you clean it up and you try to get a win, and, and then you look at the schedule and kind of how you break it up. Well, 
check number one is, you know, finish that non-conference play and hopefully go three and oh, you're one win away from that. You, you get a good performance and, and, you know, your list, your to-do list of, of the season, you put a check next to the first one. So that's kind of where uh, MSU is right now, where um, you knew things were going to be ugly at the start of the season because of all the adjustments that they had to make and all the, all the new, you know, moving parts in the system that they kind of learned to mesh together. Um, but hey, if you walk away three and zero, you're pretty happy with that, and you hope that you sure up some of those some of those difficulties. And, and if you have, then you're in a good spot where you're, you're going into SEC play. All you need is three three wins. You're hoping for more than that. And, and looking at the schedule, um, you know, with the Tennessee State game still still in uh, Lumen in November, you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think uh, without the cowbells, uh, the the crowd noise will be equal. Mississippi State fans and Memphis fans with the cowbells, they would have just drowned it out Memphis uh, in their own stadium there. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk relevant college football topics in Mississippi and the SEC. We appreciate you joining us. Come back and be with us again later this week.